0: the Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. By gracious power so wonderfully sheltered, confidently waiting, come what may. We know that God is with us night and morning and never fails to greet us each new day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it as we are able. May we stand in the praise of God. Amen. Oh! pray, Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy, for giving us those things of which our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask except through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever, amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory Glory to to God. God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. And also with you. Let us exchange signs of his peace with one another. Amen.
1: Please be seated. A lesson from the Lamentations of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. How lonely sits the city that was once full of people. How like a widow she has become, she that was great among the nations. She that was princess among the provinces has become become a vassal. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has no one to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile with suffering and hard servitude. She lives now among the nations and finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to the festivals. All her gates are desolate, her priests groan, her young girls grieve, and her lot is bitter. Her foes have become the masters, her enemies prosper, because the Lord has made her suffer for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone away, captives before the foe. From daughter Zion has departed all her majesty. Her princes have become like stags that find no pasture. They fled without strength before the pursuer. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: A lesson from Paul's second epistle to Timothy, chapter one, verses one to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience and my ancestors did. When I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands, for God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And for this reason, I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed. For I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Oh, to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
3: Please join me in reading responsively Psalm 137 with the Antiphon. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung our lyres, for there our captors required of us songs, and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. O Lord, remember against the Edomites the day of Jerusalem, how they said, Raise it, raise it down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, you devastator, happy Happy shall they be be who repay you you with what you have have done done to us. And now, beloved, rise up in body as you are able, but certainly in heart for the singing of the Gloria, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of a hymn.
0: Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 17, verses 5 to 10. Glory to you, O Lord. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave, who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, Come here at once and take your place at the table. Would you not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me, put on your apron, serve me while I eat and drink, later you may eat and drink. Do you think the slave, Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, When you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, We are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Field work is no substitute for our domestic duties. Your outside, outdoor application of mind and body in profession or in employment or in work is not a replacement for the hearth, the home, the heart, the power of the dinner table, the beloved, the family, kinder kuchikirka kirche, as Luther might have put it. You cannot claim reference to bank accounts, degrees, and honorifics, achievements, and merit badges when faced with a required response to the dominical claim upon relational duties. It will not help me in the long run if I affirm a full bank account or a long list of peer-reviewed articles or a world championship of whatever sort, if they are meant to cover over what matters, counts, lasts, and has meaning if they are meant to avoid grace, care, kindness, and, well, love. My dear one, your fieldwork is no substitute for your domestic duties. Says our Lord Jesus Christ, both to the ancient and struggling church, and to you and me on World Communion Sunday, who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table, would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat and drink, and later you may eat and drink? Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. The dinner table, in all its conversations and claims, makes no allowance for a borrowing from the day's own trouble. A prayer is said, the dishes are passed, a conversation, glorious, golden, rhythmic, improvisational, personal, intimate, perilous, demanding, real, and so utterly human. A conversation emerges, something is said, something is heard, the table has its own realm, and kingdom, its own royalty and citizenry, its own claim and call. Call it the power of the dinner table. Three years on into the twilight, perhaps, of COVID, we have missed a step or two, lost or forgotten our dinner table habits. We have grown cold to the clink and charm of fork and glass. We have become rusty, out of shape, flabby both in the form of host and of guest. So interesting in older English, the two host-guest are almost the same word. We have been rightly busy with our field work, plowing and shepherding, works and day jobs and Zoom screens and all. So we have not been prepared to be prepared, to be ready to prepare supper, put on our apron, serve the service of eating and drinking. After all, we still try to assert in the teeth of the hurricane gale, an image we have in mind as in prayer, as we remember those in this hour now suffering in Florida. The hurricane gale of this deceptively minimal saying of the Lord. that Well, we had a good day at the screen, didn't we? We had a good day on Zoom, didn't we? We had a good day by the click-clickometer of the Internet, didn't we? We had a good day in our day job, didn't we? Didn't we? Not so fast, Jesus says, not so fast. Not so fast, Mr. Wesley says, not so fast. Not so fast, our own true hard experience says, Not so fast. Not so fast, says life, presence, freedom, experience. Not so fast, says the gospel today, not so fast. That is, do what is commanded, says Jesus. Conversation is a means of grace, says John Wesley, as real and powerful as sacrament, as prayer, as scripture, as fasting, Conversation is a conveyance of grace. Our late COVID experience is a hunger and thirst for what satisfies hunger and slakes thirst, the real hunger. One does not live by bread alone. There is an orb of reality, a realm of being, a place unto itself around the common table after the day's own trouble, the power of the table that will not be supplanted, outsourced, erased, minimized, or disregarded. And here we are, at a table as big as all outdoors, and at a table that spans the globe, and at a table that serves a world communion, a world communion. And here we are, morning has come, the board is spread, thanks be to God who gives us bread, Thank God for breath. And the power of the table, the dining table, is just here. Conversation, a saving, intervening power, especially for us, we who are coming in from the fieldwork of three COVID years without it. And here we are. Conversation is where imagination and memory dance. Conversation is where one feels and says, I love you. Conversation is where the strict arts of listening are raised from the dead. Conversation on the street, at home, along the park bench, before church, after church, outside church. There's nothing more human, nor more healthy, nor more saving than a good conversation, which by nature begins in the unexpected and ends in the unforeseen, and trails along in the mind for days to come. A conversation starts somehow. A conversation travels somewhere. A conversation ends sometime. After three years of screen, of Zoom, of FaceTime, of text, of email, of distance, of attention to quasi-spaces, electronic spaces, to which, by the way, nuance, humor, personality, humanity, and connection go to die, we have been returned to the land of conversation, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. There is a robust magic in conversation whereby John Wesley named conversation. So a means of grace alongside prayer and scripture and sacraments and fasting. In in conversation there abides or lurks the lasting possibility of heart-to-heart communication, heart-by-heart communion. That potential seizes you, not the other way around. You are long ways into a talk with an old dear friend and of a sudden you realize, you intuit just how much that friendship means, a friendship planted and grown in conversation. You are gathered before dinner and the children coaxed, begin to sing the songs of memory, of history, of Zion, of nation, of up growing. The folk songs, the hymns, the partner songs, the spirituals, the campfire rounds, multiple rounds, give off an invisible glow, a kind of verbal hearth. (coughs) You sit with two colleagues who are also combatants, and there is an opening and a joust, and of a sudden, unplanned, unexpected, unforeseen, one shatters the other with the truth spoken and heard and the shattering is not, in the end, a mendable one. Some things, like some malignancies, you can never cure, but you can manage. They are manageable, but not curable. They can be managed, managed to ground, even though unseen, the malignancy remains. In conversation, in the magic of conversation, such hard and dark and difficult truth can surface. Be careful with the shattering in the moment and in the meantime and in the memory and in the future. Or you realize afterward that one loved one in one seemingly innocuous conversation was trying to say something, something like, I'm worried about this medical procedure and I think I may well I think I may not make it, but the clues and hues and do's and schmoo's are too indirect, too subtle, and you miss the marrow and the meaning of the talk, only to recall it, only to get it later, much later. Or you are in a meeting and all of a sudden the temperature shifts and sunlight and warmth become dark caves, stalactites and stalagmites around and the conversation flickers, withers, and dies. Something is in there. It would be utterly invisible and inaudible by Zoom, but in conversation, in presence, with embodied silence, and incarnate body language, you see and hear. She is really hurting. He is really angry. I am really in over my head. They want something they can never really have. There is a saving power worldwide, a saving grace in conversation. It costs nothing to listen except time and risk, and it costs nothing to speak except time and risk. Could you say that another way? What I hear you to have said is, do you really mean that or do, do you mean half or double that? Sounds to me like you're wandering around Robin Hood's barn and that makes me wonder why you're wandering around Robin Hood's barn. When you say that, what do you have in mind? Why do I have the feeling that you have real feeling about this? Let's talk about this again someday. There is a healing power, a healing grace in conversation. Most people can, in time, solve their own problems if they just have someone to talk to about them who will really listen to them. Pastoral ministry, cut to the chase, is the pursuit of an excellent 20 minute sermon a week which is a 20-hour task, alongside 25 genuine conversations a week. The rest, all other ground, is sinking sand. Most current schools of theology have still faculty left who know pastoral conversation in person. They are not ordained or may not have ministerial experience to speak of. They have not invested the time in listening to become adept at listening because their work and future depend on speaking and writing. But through it all, they remember the grace of conversation, the saving, intervening grace of conversation. Likewise, most denominations and churches have some leadership left, circles of ministerial wisdom shared in conversation about conversation. Seward Hiltner, Homer Jurdigan, Henry Nowen, Ann Belford Yulianov—they are not with us any longer, and not with us to remind us that the most important things in ministry are the one and on are the one one-on-one on one things. Pastoral ministry is visiting and preaching. Pastoral ministry is conversation and speaking. That is the minister. By that we mean the baptized Christian, for our ministry is born in, in every baptism and is emphatically not confined to ordination. The minister is part bullfighter, part heavyweight boxer, part private detective, part spy. At stake for all is lasting health, personal salvation, individual growth, spiritual integrity, and the chance the fleeting chance to experience being alive before we die. The cape ripples and the saber rattles. The prize fighter dodges, weaves, ducks, swings, retreats, advances. The P.I. looks through the back window, checks the mail in the mailbox, notices the water still dripping from the faucet, puts two and two together. The one disguised behind enemy lines smiles, demurs, nods, remembers. And then we'll try to bring home a truth, the truth in hand, without getting caught. But these arts are practiced, sharpened, conveyed by one to another, soul to soul, in conversation. Every hour spent on a machine is an hour spent apart from conversation, so apart from the full real life itself. Your fieldwork is no substitute for your domestic duties, so walk with a friend, sit for intercessory prayer, call somebody on the phone, set a lunch date, offer a coffee, receive with happiness the unannounced visitor to your office, steer the conversation when you can, away from doing and out into the broad meadow of being. Keep a journal, write a sermon, craft a poem, design an experiment, take on some painting, some gardening, some creative craft, a piano lesson, beginning French or beginning Swahili. My grandmother grew up on a dairy farm near Cooperstown. Some of you have heard me mention her before. She graduated from Smith College in 1914. She taught school and married later in life, raising three daughters. She spent her later life in a modest Syracuse home, surrounded by piles of books, mounds of newspapers, and letters written or to be written and received, often long ago. She and her college roommate wrote each other a letter once a week from graduation until death. She feared no conversation and celebrated all conversation, no matter how middling or shallow or tiresome. Famously, she was thrilled, overjoyed, to have the Jehovah Witnesses come into her Methodist living room on their mission. She loved to talk with them about the intricacies of Leviticus. She always wanted them to stay longer than they could stand to stay. They left worn out, bedraggled, dog-tired, exhausted, and utterly defeated. People do not always know what they think and feel until they say it. Until they say it to someone they know is listening. Someone who really cares. This is not psychiatry, psychotherapy, formal counseling, or any of the other very wonderful and endlessly helpful and much-needed forms of care. This is conversation. A conversation starts somehow. A conversation travels somewhere. A conversation ends sometime. After three years, it is World Communion Sunday, 2022. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. For there is a robust magic around the globe in conversation, a means of grace, alongside prayer, scripture, sacrament, and fasting. Amen. seated. Let us continue to worship together by presenting our tithes and offerings.
3: one and one in three source of all provision bless and multiply these are gifts of money symbol of our time resources life energy and faith that the giving may become receiving and the receiving may become giving blessed be god now and forevermore blessed are you three in one and one in three You are the giver of this bread, product of earth and air, fire and water, the life energy of plants, animals, and humans. Let it become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God, now and forevermore. Blessed are you, three in one and one in three. You are the giver of this fruit of the vine, product of earth and air, Fire and water, the life energy of plants, animals, and humans. Let it become for us the drink of your eternal realm. Blessed be God, now and forevermore. The Lord is with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right, and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You have made from one every nation and people to live on all the face of the earth. And so with your people on earth, and all the company of heaven, and giving voice to all creation, we praise your name and join the unending hymn. are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. He commissioned us to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth and to make disciples from all nations, and today his family is in all the world is joining at his holy table. We remember how when Jesus sat at supper with his friends, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Each time you eat this, remember me. Likewise, after supper he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave the cup to his disciples and said, drink this, all of you, for this is the sign of a new covenant sealed with my blood for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Each time you drink this, remember me. the Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of grape and grain make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood by the Spirit make us one with Christ one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your servant church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Look, the bread of heaven is given for the life of the world. Look. Look. The cup of salvation is poured out for the life of the world. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep this feast with joy and thanksgiving.
0: the sun shall warm and bright on you, your darkest night, a star shine through, your dullest morn, a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you, the blessing of God Almighty, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, be and abide with each one of us now and forever.